Good morning and welcome again. We're glad that you're here today. It is a rainy morning, but we're so glad to have a beautiful building, to have the opportunity to come to God in our worship. We're thankful for your presence. If you're visiting with us, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us. We're so grateful for the number of visitors that come our way from week to week. We always want you to feel at home here. And if you're looking for a church home, then we believe you found a home. And we want you to be a part of the work here. We've had a number of folks that have identified with us, and we'd love to have you come and be a part of the church that meets at this location. We're going to be looking at the passage that Cameron read a moment ago, Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20. As we look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we're going to be thinking about the importance of surrendering our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There are a lot of things that are summed up in this one verse that really apply to those of us that want to be a part of the Lord's body. When I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, I see somebody that literally surrendered all for Jesus. What does it mean for me individually to surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ. It might be helpful for us to look at what Paul said and to note his view of Christianity from a practical standpoint. In this verse, first of all, I think you have his contemplation of Christ. And I want to begin by looking at the latter part of verse 20. Because there the apostle Paul talks about Christ of whom he said loved me and gave himself for me. Before I can surrender my life to the Lord, before I can ever appreciate what it means to be a part of his body, I've got to somehow come to grips with what he has done on my behalf. I've got to understand, first of all, his affection for me. Paul said, speaking of the Son of God, who loved me. To Paul, the love of Christ was personal. It might be the case that sometimes we fail to make application of the love of God, the love of Christ, to our own life, personally speaking. When we come to understand the personal nature of the love of God, the love of Christ then everything that we do for him is an expression of that love. It becomes a labor of love. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves you and me. The song that we sang a moment ago, many of us learned as little folks, children, 
That beautiful song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That song's not just for young children, but really and truly it sums up the love that Jesus has for us. Jesus loves me, and he loves you. And then I think about his actions for us. Now again, you have to get inside the mind of Paul. And Paul here is saying that Christ, the Son of God, loved me. And then he said, he gave himself for me. Maybe we fail to look at the cross from a personal vantage point. You remember the trial of Jesus? Matthew tells us that Jesus was scourged. He was slapped, beaten. They spat upon him. And then they led him out to Golgotha. Matthew tells us that Jesus fell beneath the weight of the cross. And so they compelled a man by the name of Simon, of Serene, to bear his cross. Could I remind you that that cross he was bearing was not just the cross of your neighbor, your friend, or your family member. It was your cross and my cross. When they laid Jesus on that wooden cross and that soldier drove those spikes into his hands and feet that was for you and me when they lifted that cross up and Jesus hung suspended between heaven and earth between two thieves he was hanging on that cross for you and me. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. Now Paul said he loved me and gave himself for me. Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1? He talked about his past life as a persecutor. He had been a blasphemer, a persecutor. He said an insolent man. He said, Howbeit I did it ignorantly in unbelief, but the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said, Of whom I am chief. When Paul looked to the cross, he recognized that Jesus died for him. If I'm going to ever be able to surrender my life to the Lord, I've got to understand he died for me. No wonder Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's hard to put into words what the Lord has done for us. But we have to look at it from a personal vantage point. So Paul contemplated what Christ had done on his behalf. And so we talk about the contemplation of Paul, but note if you would his crucifixion. His crucifixion with Christ. There's the contemplation of Christ, but then his crucifixion with Christ. Look at verse 20. 
again. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When we come to Christ, there's a sense in which every believer must die. And really this is true on two levels. First, there is our death to sin. It's not easy. But we are called upon to die to the love and the practice of sin. Now, the prerequisite to obeying the gospel is to repent. That is, a change of heart demonstrated by a changed life. We're called upon to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. But we die to the love and the practice of sin. In Galatians 6.16, Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom I have been crucified to the world and the world unto me. In Galatians 5.24, he said, Those who are Christ, they who are Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and lust. Do you remember in Romans chapter 5, Paul said where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Some may have taken that as a license to just live as you please. And so Paul sought to correct that type of thinking. He asked the question, what shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? His response, God forbid or certainly not. He asked the question, how shall we who have died to sin live any longer therein? He said, know you not that all we who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ? We've been baptized into his death. We have been baptized into Christ. We have risen to walk in newness of life. And so there is the death of sin. Now, I understand we're human beings. And just because we become a child of God doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. We're not going to sin. We understand that the devil is seeking to the best of his ability to circumvent our faith, to tempt us. Sometimes we give way to temptation. But the mindset is we're going to rise above sin. In 1 John chapter 2, John said, My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. But he said, if any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So what we're trying to do is walk in the light as he is in the light. And the promise is that the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. So as long as I'm doing my best and living for God, then the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus is constantly working in my life. And I maintain fellowship with God. But there is a second death that we're called upon to experience. Listen again to what Paul said. I've been crucified with Christ. He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So first there is the death to sin. And secondly, there is the death of self. Neither are easy. Both take a concerted effort. And so Paul is saying, look, not only did I die to a life of sin, I died to self. Now we talk about 
coming to Jesus. We come to the Lord Jesus not necessarily on our terms, but on his terms. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I've got to be willing to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, look, it's all about you. It's, it's about living for the Lord day in and day out, 24-7, year in and year out. I want to ask you a question. We talk about the death of self and what that means. Does Jesus have your passion? And by that I mean, does he have your love, your affection? Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22 that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our, with all of our heart, soul, and mind? He said this is the first and great commandment. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Do you love him supremely? John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Does God love me? Absolutely. Does Jesus love me? Yes, he does. The question is, do I love Jesus? And you know, if I love Jesus, he said, I'll do his will. In John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. What about in denying self? Does Jesus have my productivity in life? Now think about the job that, that you go to every day. Some of you are students, and so that's your job. And, and many of us, we want, to do, we want to do our best at work, don't we? We want to be a good employee, a good employer. When it comes to productivity in the kingdom of God, you remember in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. He said, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison, you visited me. I want to ask you a question again. Not only do you love Jesus, and that's a yes or no answer. You either do or you don't. Are you working for him? Are you doing what he said to do? Are you helping others? Are you evangelizing? Are you taking the gospel to your friends and your neighbors? Either yes or no. Jesus said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are you doing that? Christianity is a religion that calls upon people to serve. Remember, Jesus said, Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. I'm a servant. Jesus identified himself as a servant, didn't he? And he said, A servant is not above his master. Paul said that Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Now, Peter said that he has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. So, are we serving? Are we productive in his kingdom? What about in terms of preeminence? Is Jesus preeminent in your life? Is he preeminent in my life? Is he number one? Remember what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Either he is or he isn't. It's not maybe. 
or I think so. Either he is or he isn't. Is he preeminent in our life? You see, if we have died to self, if, if, we, have, if, we, had, if we have made the conscious decision to live for Jesus Christ day in and day out, he's going to get our love, our passion. We're going to be passionate about him. He's going to get our productivity. He's going to get our preeminence. Let me tell you what, he's also going to get our purpose. In other words, we're going to understand what our purpose is here upon planet Earth. What's my purpose? To glorify God. To live in such a way so that I bring honor and glory to God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There are a lot of people in our world, they misunderstand their purpose in life. Solomon looked at life from a material standpoint. He did everything, he tried everything, and his conclusion was that life without God is empty. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. When it's all said and done, what's the most important thing in life? To live for God. Think about that for a minute. The most important thing in your life, it's not, it's not your job, it's not your hobby, it's God. God. There are people that try to fill that vacuum with any and everything. And they live and die with a hole in their heart. But those who put God first understand his purpose. And then what about giving, giving the Lord our praise? You know, the beauty of being a child of God is that we enjoy an abundance, an array of spiritual blessings. And Paul talks about those in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He said that those of us who belong to God, we have been showered upon with a vast array of spiritual blessings. Sometimes we sing the song, count your many blessings. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. One of the purposes behind our worship to God is to express our thanksgiving to express our thanks to our Creator for all that He has done and for all that He is. You know, worship is a small part of the Christian life. And by that I mean we only come together basically three times a week. But those three times are extremely important. When I talk about denying self, I understand that it's important for me to assemble with the saints and worship God. The Hebrew writer said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another day by day so much as you see the day approaching. To recognize that one byproduct of worship is I can bow before my creator and express thanksgiving. I can enjoy the opportunity to glorify Him. And the second is, it builds me up in the faith. Let me tell you what, we live in a vile world. And 
when you're out in that world seven days a week and you're around the influences of the world, you need to step back and for just a very brief period of time, reflect on spiritual things. You go back to the days of Amos and one of the problems that the people of God had in that day. The Sabbath day had been set aside as a day for them to reflect upon spiritual things. So they had the mentality, they were ready for the Sabbath to get over with so they could get back to business. Sometimes if we're not careful, we fail to understand the importance, the magnitude of worship. Does God want me to be present for worship? You better believe he does. Does he want me here Sunday morning? Yes. Does he want me here Sunday night? Yes. Does he want me here Wednesday night? Yes. Why? Because it blesses me. It strengthens me. It encourages me. If I'm not here, I rob myself. I think about denying self. Would it be easy to stay home on Sunday night or Wednesday night and just watch television or relax? Yes. But as a child of God, this is where I need to be. Why? Because this is where God wants me to be. Thirdly, very quickly, let's talk about his consecration to Christ. You know, when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he consecrated himself to the service of Almighty God. Listen again to what he said. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Living by faith. Let me just talk about the development of faith. The Bible tells us that we are guided by the faith, that is, the faith that has been once for all delivered unto the saints. This is our guide, the Scriptures. Now, here's a question. When I become a child of God, what's going to be my roadmap to get me home? In other words, I want to go home. That is, I want to go to heaven. So if I'm going to get to heaven... This is going to be my GPS. This is going to get me from point A to point B. I've got to be guided by this book. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. That means I'm looking at this book intently. As James said, I'm looking into that perfect law of liberty. Not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. I'm looking at the Word of God and I'm saying, you know what? This is what the Lord wants me to do. This is how the Lord wants me to live. This is where the, this is where the Lord wants me to be. I am locked in to Him. I'm guided by His Word. And then I'm striving to grow in my faith. Did Peter not say grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If I'm going to go forward for Christ and live a consecrated life, I've got to grow, don't I? I've got to try to exercise my spiritual life, as Paul would say, unto godliness. Sometimes that exercise is met with resistance. 
But that resistance is not a bad thing because it will grow my faith. And then there is the duty of faith. Did you know that as a child of God, I've got to be steadfast? Here's the Apostle Paul. He's locked in on service. He surrendered his life to the Lord. For the Apostle Paul, it was all about Christ. As a matter of fact, in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he said, For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Look at the life of Paul. I know that Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. But Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. What he's saying is this. You follow my life insofar as I follow the life of Jesus. So when you measure your life up to the Apostle Paul or to Jesus, where do you stand? Are you living that steadfast, immovable life in the kingdom, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Are you living day in and day out as somebody who has surrendered to the cause of Christ? It's hard for us to understand what the early church faced. The church was born in a cradle of what we would call persecution. And Jesus sought to ready his disciples for the persecution that they would face in life. Paul said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. He said, they'll suffer persecution in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 12. Paul understood what it meant to suffer for the cause of Christ. Now we talk about surrendering everything to Jesus. And living for him day in and day out. And in many instances, what we want is a convenient Christianity. As some would say, cheap grace. There's nothing cheap about Christianity. As a matter of fact, there's nothing really convenient about it. Because Christianity calls upon me to get out of my way of life and out of my way of thinking into the Lord's way of thinking. I read this in Bible class this morning. I want to share it with you. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to share just a portion of what Eusebius said the early church faced by way of persecution. I want you to think about this in light of the free country in which we live and the ease with which sometimes we serve the Lord. Here's what he said. Christians were flogged until the flesh hung from their bones. Salt or vinegar was poured in their wounds. Their flesh was cut off bit by bit to feed to waiting animals. They were eaten piecemeal by starved beasts. Their fingers were pierced with sharp reed under their nails. Their eyes were gouged out. They were suspended by a hand or foot. Some had molten lead poured down their throats. They were beheaded beaten to death with clubs or crucified. Some were torn asunder by being tied to bent branches of trees. Please listen very carefully. We talk about a willingness on our part to die for our faith if that need were to arise. And I hope and pray that we would have that kind of conviction. But I just wonder if we're not willing to die for self 
And by that I mean put Him first in our lives. Giving, giving Him all of our adoration and praise. Living for Him day in and day out. If we're not willing to do that, what makes us think we would be willing to die for Him physically in the flesh? Where did we ever get the idea that we would give our life for the cause of Christ when we haven't even given it for His cause here on earth right now? You think about that. We're bold in saying we'll do this or we'll do that, but we haven't even done the first thing sometimes. So I ask you, have you surrendered all to Jesus? It's easy to sing the song, all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. But it's a whole different thing to live it day in and day out. Are you living it? If you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of your sins and do what they did on Pentecost Day, be baptized into Christ, You'll enjoy the forgiveness of your sins, the washing away of your sins, Acts 22, 16, and God will put you in the church. And then the exhortation is to be faithful until death. That is, you be faithful even if it costs you your life. And the promise is the crown of life. If you'll do that, you'll have the hope of life eternal. Now, it might be the case that you're a Christian but really and truly, you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord. You haven't, you have not denied yourself. If that's the case, I want to encourage you today to resolve in your heart you're going to put the Lord Jesus Christ first before anything else. It might be, the, it might be that you want us to pray with you and for you. And we would be happy to do that for you today as we stand and sing.